0: Well, <laughs> honk my hooter.
1: listening to Pop with Daniel and Ben, a retrospective covering all the best that pop culture has to offer. Let's get it rolling. Here are your hosts, Daniel and Ben. Hello everyone, I'm Daniel. And I'm Ben. We're coming to you today from the K-12 in Greendale, California. In this episode, we will find the Meyer family and follow along with Lane Meyer a girlfriend-obsessed young man whose life is about to be turned on its head when his girlfriend leaves him for the captain of the ski team, Roy Stalin. Lane, out of frustration, depression, and separation anxiety, will make multiple attempts on his life until he meets a beautiful French foreign exchange student who is staying at the house of his weird neighbor, Ricky Smith. She will ultimately teach him that success and language lessons will change his dire outlook on life
2: since you're here we figure you have already seen better off dead if you have not however this is your warning we are going to be discussing details that will ultimately spoil huge portions of the movie for the sake of your enjoyment and your pop culture upbringing we highly recommend you watch better off dead before listening to this podcast
1: better off dead was released in theaters on august 23, 1985 to less than stellar box office numbers once it was removed from theaters it almost disappeared into obscurity were it not for the evolving phenomena
2: of home video. Better Off Dead started to gain momentum by word of mouth and went from box office flop to cult film phenomenon. And it only continues to appeal to new audiences
1: and win the hearts and minds of movie lovers everywhere. Every year, people watch Die Hard or A Christmas Carol as their choice of holiday movie. But for me, Better
2: Off Dead is my go-to Christmas film. Siskel and Ebert bludgeoned Better Off Dead in their critique, where Roger Ebert said that it was predictable and he had seen it all before. And Gene Siskel said that all he could remember was that he saw it. Two thumbs down. But what did they know? Savage Steve Holland had two pictures in the works when he finished Better Off Dead. The
1: other was One Crazy Summer, also starring Cusack and Armstrong with an appearance by Laura Waterbury, who played Ricky's mom. Aside from those three actors, none of the rest of the Better Off Dead cast would make an appearance. One Crazy Summer also featured such talents as Demi Moore, Bobcat Goldthwaite, and Tom Villard. But we're not going to talk about One Crazy Summer. We're here for Better Off Dead.
2: Some of the actors from Better Off Dead have gone on to great success notably david ogden steers who was already successful for his stint on mash as charles emerson winchester the third he'd later go on to perform as the worried clock cogsworth in disney's beauty and the beast and other voice acting roles he also appeared as oberon in stargate atlantis and Reverend purdy on the fx series the dead zone john cusack who played lane meyer would go on to
1: have an extremely successful career starring in such films as say anything the grifters high fidelity con air the raven Gross Point Blank, Being John Malkovich, War, Inc., and Hot Tub Time Machine.
2: Dan Schneider, who played Ricky, would go on to eventually become a well-respected, award-winning producer and screenwriter with Nickelodeon. His recent departure from there seems to be mired in a bit of controversy.
1: Curtis Armstrong, who played Charles DeMar, already known for playing Booger in Revenge of the Nerds, went on to do One Crazy Summer and then a slew of other films, including Dodgeball and How I Got into College. More recently... He's known for his recurring
2: role as Metatron in the television super hit, Supernatural. Vincent Chiavelli, who played Mr. Kerber, had an extensive film career, including such titles as Ghost, Buckaroo Banzai, and Tomorrow Never Dies. Diane Franklin played the quirky and lovable French
1: foreign exchange student Monique Genet. Her acting credits include Amityville 2 The Possession, Terror Vision, Bill & Ted's Excellent Adventure, and a slew of television appearances in Charles in Charge, matlock and alfred hitchcock presents we are extremely fortunate to have the charming and talented diane franklin joining us today
2: on zoom for our first and therefore most important celebrity interview copies of better off dead can still be bought on dvd through amazon but you'll be hard pressed to find it anywhere else i think a letter campaign is in order so daniel what made you choose better off dead for our show
1: What made me choose Better Off Dead for this show? I'll tell you, it's probably my favorite comedy of all time. And it's something that brings me joy again and again. I can watch it numerous times and never get tired of it. As a matter of fact, my girlfriend can attest to this, that I've watched it over and over every year. And it's one of those films that I think is imminently quotable and is only rivaled by maybe Ghostbusters. So uh, it's imperfect, but it's perfect in its imperfection. (laughs) <laughs> Lovely. Hey, you know, I brought this up and you jumped at the chance to review it, and I kind of want to know why.
2: Well, similar reasons. Uh, I can remember when I was a teenager, I was feeling an amazing amount of uncomfortable teenage awkwardness, trying to figure myself out, and life just kept getting weirder. And this this movie seemed to really understand that and poke fun at it in yeah, a way that allowed yeah. me. Yeah, uh, it allowed me and and my brother as well. To laugh at all of the (laughs) horrible weirdness of the teen years, (laughs) and uh, and that was really healing. And then also it it evokes so many happy, fun memories of well, hanging out, watching movies with my brother.
1: That's awesome. So cool. (laughs) Music
2: segue.
1: (laughs) I might keep that. All right, so let's talk about Better Off Dead. It's been 35, 36 years since this film came out?
2: Yeah, I can't believe it's been that long.
1: Yeah, I mean, currently, for those who are listening, it's April 11th, 2021. I know when we do edit this down and post it, it's probably going to be much later than that.
2: Yeah, but seriously, I still don't even feel like I'm 35 or 36 years old, much less this movie.
1: (laughs) We're much younger than that. Of course. Yes. So there's a lot of things that stand out about this film. You know, I, I, let's discuss some of them. We'll, we'll start off with uh, how the film opens.
2: The opening <laughs> with the, uh, the the ladies screaming as she's being carried away by a troll.
1: That's right. You start off, the first thing you get is that cartoon character. She's just screaming, and you get that knight on the horseback, and it's all animated.
2: Yep. Um, it turns so out fun. that
1: there was a guy that St- Savage Steve Holland had animate this thing, and I just recently was, I think I was on Facebook in one of the Better Off Dead groups, and saw somebody posted the animation cells for this. Oh, really? Yeah, I was really impressed. It's like, wow, somebody still has this stuff. How fun. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty cool intro. It's a weird intro.
2: <laughs> it definitely was uh, unusual.
1: Yeah, I guess it sort of fits the theme with Lane being a cartoonist, because you see mm-hmm. him do that later in the film. That's right. Where he has the troll actually eat <laughs> Roy <laughs> Stalin. <laughs> yep. Let's see here. Uh, after that, you get the bedroom scene, right? Where you've got thousands of pictures oh. of Beth oh, on goodness. the wall. Mm-hmm. And um, so we get immediately, What what are they trying to cue us in about Lane Meyer?
2: Lane Meyer is completely obsessed with his girlfriend.
1: He is. He's <clears> absolutely <throat> obsessed with her. The other more subtle thing I got was from this message wise was that Beth might be somewhat of a narcissist because how, why are there so many pictures of her? Did he take them all? I doubt it. Some of those look like professional pictures. Of course, maybe we're supposed to be led to believe he took them all. I don't know.
2: Possibly so. Although it is worth noting that I don't think we see him holding a camera
1: ever in the film. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. Uh, It's a stark contrast to when we see her bedroom, and she's got one picture of him, <laughs> which she subsequently pulls out of the frame and drops into the trash so she yes. can replace it with a picture of Roy.
2: <laughs> so brutal.
1: Oh, man. It, yeah. And haven't we
2: all felt like that at one point or another? He just dumped me in the trash.
1: Yeah. Uh-oh. She dumped me for him, for Roy, <laughs> for Stalin. Yeah, it, was, right. uh, it, it is absolutely cold hearted. And, uh, you know, it's a funny note on this. I read Savage Steve Holland had actually had a girl break up with him and date the captain of the ski team which is oh, what this is about right i mean yeah the girl eventually contacted him in real life and right? and apologized and i guess she was like completely devastated by this film she thought she had <laughs> ruined this guy <laughs> oh man so it's a pretty cool story you can find a lot of this stuff online if you look it up, because I'm one of those kind of nerds. I'll look up facts about movies like this, and hell, that's one of the reasons I decided that I thought I should be on a podcast like this, is because, oh, what am I going to do with all this useless information? Let's put it <laughs> on a podcast, you know?
2: Let's turn it into something fun.
1: What, what do we have else going on in there? We have the alarm clock that everybody's got, and he's oh, wearing yeah. his goggles in bed, mismatched socks, which he wears into the shower
2: um <laughs> he is a bit clueless yeah, he's uh clu- yeah. hyper focused on beth and everything else is sort of nebulous to him
1: uh what's the music he's got the eg daily song going on in the background dancing in isolation which will lead us into how fantastic and underrated this soundtrack is now this particular song maybe not one of my favorites it's sort of a really 80s and i mean really 80s and not all the best ways <laughs> <laughs> yep. you got that wanky guitar solo in it but it, that bleeds us into the next section which is where the father almeyer that's his name yep al he's in bed and he's fitfully sleeping
2: and <laughs> yeah, it leads to
1: is. yeah it leads to one of the best like at least uh, sequences that tell us what's kind of going on without telling you they don't have to say anything they just show you
2: one of the rudest awakenings, and it, and they, they definitely show us that this happens again and again. This is pretty much the way he wakes up every morning.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if he throws on his wife's, uh, you know, nighty. What, what do you call that thing? Is it a? It's just a robe, right? It's just a very frilly robe.
2: Uh, nightgown.
1: Nightgown, frilly, Maybe. frilly nightgown robe, whatever you might, whatever you call it.
2: We'll call it the comedy robe.
1: But that whole scene where he, they do the keyboard hit. When he opens his eyes because he realizes the paperboy <laughs> is on his way down the street again. Yes. And is there anything more iconic than this paperboy? <laughs> I mean, this is a if, force of people, nature. When people remember this film, most of them will say, I want my two dollars.
0: I want my two dollars!
1: That's right. Right. Always the first thing. So uh, apparently, this is also another uh, autobiographical he had a relentless paper boy. And um, uh, from what he said, the paper boy would actually sit on his lawn waiting for him to get back home.
0: Oh, my and goodness.
1: He said, I think it was $4 or something. And um, Yeah. He'd say, you know, I'm sorry, my parents aren't home. I don't have $4. You'll have to come back later. And he'd say the kid would <laughs> sit out there <laughs> and, yeah, you know, wow. I'm ready for my $4. So that's kind of crazy. <laughs> but um, I don't think the kid ever chased him you know, around or anything. I think he just <laughs> sat on his lawn and basically stalked him.
2: Well, we can hope the kid didn't chase him the way Johnny chases Lane. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh,
1: so, yeah, Paperboy broke all the windows except for one, which leads into uh, the father. It shows how completely hapless the father is. Almost everything he tries to do, falls apart at some point in this film, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, he tries he stops him from breaking the window, but then when he closes the garage door, all the all the glass breaks again and <laughs> now you have a caricature of the father and you get a first look at the neighbor too who sees the father and it's like he, yeah, you're a loser.
2: <clears throat> oh. Yeah. The poor father, he he tries so hard.
1: Uh, it's almost like a. they're showing that Lane's a, a loser and his father's a loser. And even though his father's a lawyer, a very successful lawyer, because he's obviously got a nice house. Lane can afford to ski and not have to work a job like a lot of teenage kids do. Yeah. Um, of course, he does get a job later in the film. But uh, I don't know. Um, let's talk about that parent-child dynamic. What's going on there?
2: Oh heavens, yeah. There's there's a lot of disconnect between Lane and and both his parents. Um, with Al, his father, uh, they have difficulty communicating uh, because, as so often happens in the teen years, the uh, their styles of communicating completely different. You know, <laughs> yeah. Al wants to talk to <laughs> him the way he talks with his law partners. Uh, Lane, memorandum. <laughs> Does does he talk to his law partners like that? uh, (laughs) Memorandum. I I suspect they probably bandy about the word memorandum at least. (laughs) They
1: might send it to each other on notes. If he says that in person, that (laughs) is just so
2: weird. (laughs) Uh, Perhaps he's not exactly a trial attorney. Uh, He's he's maybe better with the paperwork. Maybe he's more of a
1: try over and over attorney. Who knows? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, they have yeah, difficulty, very awkward, but the, they you're right. Difficulty talking that, that whole communication issue pops up when he's got a book later on <laughs> on how yes. to communicate to his kid. And he's highlighting sections, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, it's fantastic.
2: And he is awkwardly misusing every phrase that he finds in the book. Yeah. Uh, in, yep. in furtherance of the absurd comedy of the entire film here. <laughs> right off. On, <laughs> on yeah you
1: kids in this disco thing disco come on dad
2: (laughs) yeah you're really bringing me over man (laughs) to this day I still don't know what that phrase should be used for
1: uh yeah um yeah Uh, and and who knows (laughs) um so yeah the communication issue I guess this all is part of his self-image uh Blaine's self-image he doesn't really succeed at anything, and he talks about that, like, when Monique wants him to fix the car, he talks about building a, what is it, a birdhouse and shop and having the fair it housing does. community con- condemn it. This guy, yeah. obviously, just fails a lot, and yeah. uh, it's sad, because, you know, this is, well, it's funny sad. <laughs>
2: right. It's, it's it is funny dark. because it's not real.
1: Yes. <laughs> Uh, the one thing he's good at that we can see right off the bat is skiing.
2: Yes. Um, Very masterful at skiing.
1: And when he tries out for the ski team, after meeting Stalin, and Stalin, uh. you know, kind of gammon on his girl, mm-hmm. uh, he would have made the ski team if Stalin hadn't clicked
2: the watch late. That's right. So Definitely cheated to get Lane out of the picture so he could move in on the girl.
1: Exactly. So even when Lane succeeds, he fails. That's another important thing to kind of pay attention to here.
2: Yeah, he's got a very strong Charlie Brown effect going on.
1: Oh yeah, that's a good point. Wow. Who would be yeah. Lucy? <laughs> <laughs> Not Charles, maybe Charles. Even no, though, because Char- no. Charles is support system.
2: Charles would be more like Linus.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and uh, and fake drugs would be his security blanket. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, let's see. Um, the parents again. Let's see, we got the dad wanting him to fix the car. Mm-hmm. And the mom uh, making these horrible <laughs> concoctions in the kitchen. You
0: see, it's got uh, <laughs> raisins in it. You like raisins.
2: Oh, terrifying food.
1: <laughs> Which, again, is another semi-autobiographical thing. Apparently, uh, Savage Steve Holland's mom had also um I guess she would get recipes out of Harper's Bazaar, some some book. I can't remember exactly which one it was she got it out of and this is another thing I looked up online. Uh-huh. And I'm just going from memory right now, so this is may not be that great of a story. <laughs> but right. um she would he would say that sometimes her excuses for why the food didn't taste right was that she forgot an ingredient or or they didn't <laughs> have the ingredient. So oh, dear yeah, at one Christmas I guess she gave she really did give him uh TV dinners as a oh Christmas goodness. present <laughs> because he liked the peach cobbler in this one. <laughs> so again, a lot of autobiographical content made it into this film and uh it like it's the whole thing's not about him, but I think it's great that he included all these like you know depressing moments from his life into <laughs> A humorous film.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well you, you put little bits of reality in there that helps give it uh, helps give it relatability.
1: Yeah. So um you've got his creepy neighbor Ricky. Uh and with Ricky and Mrs. Smith, right? So the Smith family. Yeah, Uh Mrs. Smith is that obnoxious, like nineteen sixties looking, you know, like it's the eighties in this film, but it doesn't look like her outfit changed since the 60s
2: you should not upset mother it's so true oh
1: god you know the horrible hairstyle and the, meh, 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 the long <laughs> cigarette and you know glass of wine in the other hand kind of thing and yep. then you got her loser son ricky who sits around the house crocheting all day
2: <laughs> and, and snorting nasal spray like it's a drug <laughs>
1: he snorts nasal spray? Do you know like <laughs> I can score some?
2: At Charles DeMar. Yes.
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. So they've got this family, and they take in a French foreign exchange student whose first appearance, I mean, she's wearing a dress shirt. I think, you know, who knows what else. And a yeah, that's Dodgers left to the imagination. Hat. It's yep. a Dodgers hat, you know. Well, we'll forgive her that, but, you know, yeah. Um, (laughs) anyway, that's like a big plot point in this film is that she, you know, she came to the States. The only thing she wanted to see was the Brooklyn Dodgers, (laughs) even though they're in LA. Yep. (laughs) Go figure. Um, but it's cool because that also points out her quote unquote foreignness, right? Mm -hmm. That she doesn't realize Brooklyn and LA are two different places.
2: That's right.
1: It's a nice little understated way to show that she's a fan of something, but doesn't totally understand it. So, yeah, we got the disaster family there. You got Monique, who eventually becomes like the savior. She She indeed does. She's a strong female character in 1985, was it? 1985?
2: 85, yes.
1: Holy crap. I mean, that's a little forward thinking. Very much so. Yeah, Um, I mean, if you think about it, the girl rescues the guy in this film. Which Hmm.
2: is a fun turnaround from what's going on in the little animated intro.
1: Yeah. Well, he didn't really rescue her in the intro, though, did he?
2: no certainly didn't he ended up getting
1: <laughs> eaten by crocodiles <laughs> yeah so um yeah beth dump dumps him he tries to kill himself a couple of times um we have how many was it for four attempts did he made on his life
0: in i the film? Th-
2: think it was i think it was four he
1: tries to hang himself in the garage and then his mom ends up pushing the door and knocking him off the trash can <laughs> yep um, he hadn't even been to New York City, you know.
2: <laughs> yes. Um, uh, and there's the lighter fluid.
1: The lighter fluid where the, Ricky's mom blows up, which is oh one of the best. It <laughs> leads to one of the best quotable lines in the film. Yeah, I'm real sorry your mom blew up, Ricky. So he seems to look fine as long as she doesn't eat spicy foods for a while.
2: Yeah. Um, my brother and I still hate each other with that one.
1: <laughs> it's great. Yeah, you pull out this, you pull out the salsa at dinner, and
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: A little bit of some some moonshine, or in his case, what was it? Um, primer. Primer, yes. Yeah.
2: And then there's the uh, the car with the exhaust in the driveway.
1: Yeah, he tries oh. to kill himself in the car. This was after being on which the phone is... with Beth, and oh, gosh. having yep. the whole um, size comparison barrier. between Roy Stalin and him, mm-hmm. which was a you know. Um, what's the word for that? It's a euphemism.
2: Subtle, Subtle like brick. <laughs>
1: yeah. A giant teddy bear, bigger than you. <laughs> yeah. And here he is looking at this teddy bear that he got her that fits in the palm of his hand. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that is a complete euphemism and if, it's...
2: If ever there it, was one.
1: Yeah, it absolutely demonstrates his self-image versus that of Roy, who thinks the world of himself. Yes. Yeah, so this leads into, well, let's see here. We've got Beth breaking up. You've got Monique moving in next door. Um, I mean, the the saving part of this happens actually much later in the film. You've got kind of Lane running around doing all this crazy stuff. Um, oh, the fourth attempt. That's where we were. We are talking about the attempts on his life. The fourth one was That's from right. the bridge. yeah where Charles comes up and puts a helping hand on his back, which sends him flying off the bridge (laughs) and into a dump truck. And it leads to another one of the best lines in this film, which is...
0: Man, that's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that.
1: That's right. (laughs) You know, they stole that line for another film. Is Um, that right? Yeah, what was this? Is Charlie Sheen and... Somebody, what was that movie? It was that they were garbage men. Do you know what Ah, that is?
2: Men at Work. It was Charlie Sheen and his brother, Emilio Estevez.
1: Yes, that's it. You're absolutely right. I remember watching that movie going, Hey, wait a minute. You stole that from Better Off Dead. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So, let's talk about the major antagonist in this film, which is Roy Stalin.
0: Buenos dias, Roy Stalin. How you doing?
1: Roy... Roy, yeah. Uh, this is one of my favorite like antagonists in a comedy, because this guy is a Class A jerk. All the way oh, yeah. around. All the way around. And uh, to back. Oh my god, his first moment, you know, uh, your scheme will be judged <laughs> on your style, you know, the way he even words <laughs> his lines. It's just dripping with this assholishness that is fantastic, you yeah. know. Your time will be gauged along with a rating of 1 to 10 on your style, which will be judged solely by me and my vast expertise of skiing technique. You'll make a fine little helper. What's your name? (laughs) Charles DeMar? (laughs) DeMar? Shut up, (laughs) geek. So, and it's interesting to know that he got this role. When he got this role, he he had gone into the audition process. And in walks Savage Steve Holland. And I, I don't know the exact, you know, logistics of this, but um, I guess Savage Steve Holland went up and sort of cut in front of him in line or something because he's going to talk to the casting agent and uh, Dozier, Aaron Dozier is a guy who plays Roy Stalin, okay. says, who's the chubby fat surfer, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> something of that nature. And Steve Holland turns around. He's like, well, who's this guy? And they're like, oh, he's here for Roy And He's like, that's, that's, you got the job. <laughs> <laughs> so being a jerk, got him a job in the film and it worked out perfectly.
2: Lesson learned kids be a jerk. It'll get you ahead in
1: life. <laughs> oh God. If that's just, that wasn't true.
2: <laughs> I know.
1: You know, the funny thing is, is he's a complete jerk and Beth, of course, what a hunk. I mean, oh. <laughs> yeah.
2: She yeah. sees none of the personality, she sees all the flash.
1: Well, hey, you know, <clears throat> he's more popular,
2: drives a better car <laughs> you know. And I think it's in my best interest if we see other people. Yeah.
3: Listen, Lane, I think we should talk. We've been seeing an awful lot of each other lately, and I really think it's in my best interest if I went out with someone more popular. Better looking, drives a nicer car.
1: God, you know, this it's just there's so many perfect little moments in this film. There's also a lot of little flaws in this film, but they don't matter <laughs> because the rest of the film makes up for it. So we were talking about the mom and her cooking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is important because some of the cool little sight gags happen because of this. <laughs> Starting with the bacon.
2: Oh, my heavens. Oh, God. Yep. <laughs> Bacon-like. I've never seen it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, You didn't like all the grease from fried bacon, so I boiled it. Now, if you've ever boiled bacon, it doesn't turn green. So I don't know what the hell she did with it. But that was pretty awful.
2: Yeah. Fearsome. There's another point where she's she's fighting down a waving octopus tentacle. (laughs) Yeah. To get it to stay in this enormous stew pot.
1: I mean, obvious animatronics, but it's just so absurd, (laughs) you know? And she's so good at, like, not breaking while she's doing it. And uh, from what and... I read is that she was a pro. Whenever they were doing these sequences, everybody else oh, yeah. would be in stitches, and she never broke.
2: Oh my goodness, that's awesome!
1: <laughs> so, uh, God, kudos there, <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> I can imagine it would be. I would have a hard time keeping a straight face.
1: Yeah, the the big scene where that happened was the the Jello jelly thing with the
2: raisins
1: (laughs) when she's plopping it down apparently they had to reshoot that 25 times because everybody was cracking up so much Savage Steve Holland couldn't watch it he actually had to get under the table according to him he had to get under the table when they were filming this scene and she never broke everybody else was dying
2: that is impressive
1: that's something to keep in mind when you watch this movie again when you watch that scene that was the good cut (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh,
2: well, I'm definitely gonna have to go back and watch that scene again. And I think that highlights one of the one of the nice things about this uh, that I think is easy to miss is that Lane, for for all that he's going through this super surreal period of life with crazy, awkward, horrible things happening, he's he's got his family who loves him, mm. as f- as flawed as they all are. His, his dad cares about him. His dad is trying to figure out what to do to to be helpful to his son. Yeah, you know, I, I want you to re-engage in the ritual act of dating. Um, and, Joy his, and Greenwald. <laughs> oh <laughs> heavens! And his mom. Okay, yes, she her 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 meals wind up being various levels of terror. <laughs> yeah, but they start from a place of she she decided to make this thing with raisins because. He likes raisins. Yeah. She's, she's trying. Yeah. Um,
1: Or at least we can excuse her. Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she's, when she's vacuuming, she doesn't even notice that he's hanging himself in the garage. Let's remember that. (laughs) (laughs) He tells her that Beth broke up with her. Sorry, broke up with him. him. And she says, uh, oh, that's nice. You know. (laughs) So yep. mom, even though she does love them, she seems very, very out of touch with him. I mean, but she's out of touch in general because I think about the Christmas present that she gave her husband.
3: <laughs> it's real bark <aardvark> for
0: her. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, golly. Yep.
1: Uh, another great moment. And this is one of those pictures that I have screenshot that I that I use as a uh, profile pic or a backdrop <laughs> pic on any of my social <laughs> media. Oh, that's it's a good one. Al Meyer standing there. In the aardvark fur coat. Gee, honey, this sure is warm. Warm. (laughs) It's made with real aardvark fur. And here's the best part, the hood. (laughs) So he puts that silly hood on and, you know.
2: (laughs) up comes the aardvark head.
1: Yeah. Suddenly you're
2: transformed.
1: (laughs) Everyone's going to be wearing one of these this year. (laughs) And, of course, you're looking at this silly moment, and it reminds me of uh, a Christmas story when the kid has to wear the bunny costume, right? And, Ah. you know, he's forced to wear this bunny costume. You've got this moment where Al, he's got to humor his wife and wear this stupid coat, right? Because this is something she thought of for him and obviously put a lot of time and and effort into getting him this coat.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And it's just so stupid, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And she's got her reindeer coat on. And, um, you know, after everyone will be wearing one of these this year because nobody will. After Lane kill, tries to kill himself the fourth time, driving third, the third or fourth time, driving through, the garage, through door, the garage door, he's standing there. He sees his neighbor Trip standing there looking back at him wearing the same coat.
2: Wearing the same coat.
1: So apparently everybody will be wearing one of these this year. Yep. Yeah.
2: After we were perfectly set up to, to be thinking to ourselves, there's no way anyone's going to wear that.
1: Yeah. You know what I'm getting <clears throat> you for Christmas this year, right? <laughs>
2: i i have a thing i have to be at this christmas so i'm gonna be somewhere else and
1: you're gonna show up wearing real aardvark fur <laughs> <laughs> not good get, not getting out of this one am i <laughs> maybe not <laughs> so uh let's see other let's talk about some other great moments in this film there's so many yeah. awesome moments that happen at the school dance first off you have eg daily and that impressively tight whatever dress she had on <laughs> you know in the impossibly high high heels yeah there's a little flub here though uh, if you watch the film in one mm-hmm. shot she has big poofy sleeves and the next shot she has a sleeveless dress and there's, there's a <laughs> continuity error to right right there but apparently you know that dress was so tight she could barely move in it and she almost fell off of the dais a couple of times oh no yeah so uh, oh, interesting goodness. interesting side note but it, this is a good song and it's yeah. When is it better off? There's there's more than one song that's played here. Um, a little luck is another one of her big tunes. And uh-huh. uh, if you look her up and listen to her music, this is this is a song that that I think is probably one of her better songs. And I love it. Whenever I hear this this listen to this movie, listen to this, this soundtrack is such a big part of it. You know.
2: Yeah. The music uh, goes along and, and really supports what's happening in the movie. Oh, totally.
1: Moments in the dance. What do you recall? What <laughs> pops out
2: to you? Oh my goodness. Well, there is, uh, there are a number of things. The first one I'll mention is, uh, the dramatic entrance of Ricky Smith. <laughs> Almost like a scene from a Western when, when the, uh, the doors to the saloon slam open yeah, and everyone stops and turns. We've got Ricky Smith, the doors to the gym slam open. Kathunk. <laughs> it's so absurd. <laughs> and there's, he's backlit. I, I don't think it was quite a lightning flash, but he's backlit, and the sound is almost like thunder. And he's he's standing in a heroic pose, which for him is a totally new thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a he's feeling like a million bucks moment. Yeah, he's at yeah. The, he's got Monique with him, of course, you know,
2: which would make any teenage boy feel like a million bucks for sure.
1: Well, there you go. The next thing we see at that dance, one of my favorite moments is when uh, Stalin comes up and makes <laughs> yes. the crack about, you know, you better shave her before you take her home.
2: Right. And he's and, saying this to Lane while and, he's standing there talking with Charles.
1: Yeah, Lane and Charles. You're right. So
2: there's no her there. And, and uh, how Charles' uh, response.
1: Yeah, Charles completely diffuses it. Like, this is this is uh, something we've actually talked about before. He, diffuses, mm-hmm. he Instead of resorting to violence to solve situations, they show you that, humor also works yes and charles just laughs and laughs and laughs laughs and sucks the wind out of roy stall and sails indeed and it's a brilliant moment
2: yep and and we can see that that roy feels the effects of it you know Mm -hmm. he he goes from you know smug i got you to oh geez wait what do you mean this didn't why are you enjoying it you were supposed to be hurt
1: yeah And, and you're gonna follow me around now (laughs) <laughs> laughing at it and pointing at for... me, doing the shaving motion, which also looks like a little jerk-off motion. <laughs> yep. And, and uh, it's perfect.
2: And, and for the rest of the dance, Charles keeps appearing next to Roy and Beth every every now and again with more laughter.
1: Yeah. Let's see what else happens here? We got the uh, the dance off, little dancing thing <laughs> where uh, yes. Ricky Smith decides to do a solo dance in the center of the in the cafeteria, and it's. Freaking hysterical because he falls flat on his face And they all just continue to dance over him Yeah <laughs> That leads to Monique escaping Yes And she's chasing down uh, Lane and this is where they <laughs> first Truly talk If you th- This is the first time they really talk in the film right Yeah She comes up and you're oh yeah Delightful girl with a, with a strong grip <laughs>
2: No, really, that's okay. I was planning on having my nose flattened by a professional later.
1: (laughs) And that connection happens pretty much right away. And she's already, she's faking that she doesn't speak English. Right. And Lane, of course, with his really horrible French, trying to talk back (laughs) to her. Paulez-vous, you know, (laughs) he he just can't come up with the words. But it's funny because Ricky is back on his feet fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. And in his jealousy, he's running out to prevent this meeting from happening yeah and he's too late and it leads to probably one of the more brilliant acting moments in the film yes it was a decision he made during acting again another thing i've read uh about this film ah nice where ricky comes running up and as he's running he loses the balloon he's got in his hand and it starts to float up in the air and he turns and does this little half-ass jump to try Mm -hmm. to get the balloon yep and then he continues up to them and He absolutely ad-libbed that and Steve Holland (laughs) loved it, kept it in, but it's those little kind of decisions, you know, that, that really make the film. It shows you so much about Ricky's character. I mean, it's hopeless. You're not getting that balloon, but at least he's doing the little tiny jump, trying to get it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know,
1: Uh, I don't know why that tickles me so much, but (laughs) I think there's something about Ricky just living in that hopeless moment of trying to get that balloon just makes me laugh so hard
2: <laughs> absolutely it it was utterly precious and i i think steve han absolutely made the right decision even if there was some other flaw something else he might have happened might have wanted to happen in that take right. keeping that particular take was the right call i think
1: let's see other great moments let's let's think about some other great moments here We've got the uh, schoolroom with uh vincent chiavelli who oh, also me. man he was in ghost he was great as that cigarette smoking ghost and uh, god the class absolutely loves this guy
0: oh. No 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 I'll see you all tomorrow Just remember to memorize pages 39 to 110 for tomorrow's lesson
3: <laughs> all <right>. hey, cool.
1: <laughs> To me that's a horror show of a teacher you know <laughs> geometry
2: yes right and every kid in the class is loving it they're eating it up and they want more
1: have you ever been in a class like that i mean i feel like i've been in classes where you know the, everything was just so far beyond me you know and it was mostly because i personally wasn't paying attention right just didn't give a crap <laughs> and then of course when i did try to focus in um everything had kind of spiraled way past where i was <laughs> but uh you know here he is he's so caught up in Beth that he has these ridiculously hard homework assignments. And his idea of, you know, doing them is to write, do homework on a piece of paper, which he subsequently put a piece of gum in, (laughs) wadded up and stuck in his pocket, you know? Um, And again, stayed. (laughs) Yeah. Another indicator of where his head's at. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What's the teacher's name? I don't remember the teacher.
2: Oh, I'm not remembering
1: it right now. Yeah, I don't
2: Mr. Kerber.
1: Mr. Kerber, that's it.
2: Yes, and he is, he is so joyful in his in his presentation of three- and four-syllable trigonometric terms, some of which aren't really even real words. Um, and uh, but that just you know that that highlights the, uh, the surreal feel of what's brought on by the anxiety of being in a class where you really don't care and your your mind is somewhere else, but the class keeps happening around you. Like, yeah, and then like you get called up man. to the board. Yep. And you are totally unprepared.
3: Mr. Meyer!
0: Please join us at the blackboard and show us your solution to this paltry geometric dilemma. <laughs>
1: so it's almost worse than getting called up and you've got a boner, right? <laughs> <laughs> but Because uh, that was always a fear of a young man in the early teens. It was like, geez, don't call me up to the board right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, you know. <laughs> Random. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> yeah. anyway, so they illustrate even more. And I love, again, they, they use uh, visuals to convey the feeling that this character has. And one of the visuals they use is he's standing in front of the chalkboard ready to do this problem. And then they shoot it from the top with this forced aspect <laughs> ratio. And the, the chalkboard looks like it's yes. 10 feet tall.
2: Yes. It's and... brilliant. And I I can remember that exact feeling that rang so very true. So yeah, it it was it was both painful and funny to watch.
1: Another great line comes out of this here. Uh, It's at the end when Mr. Kerber asks Wayne to stay after (laughs) class, and he wants to take out Beth. And this happens to him a number of times. Uh, He's got Mr. Kerber. Random people. Yeah, totally random. You you got the mailman, who (laughs) I'll talk about in a minute here, but right now just that the whole thing of who was the other there was a when he came home it was barney barney
2: Barney rubble Rubble. yeah (laughs) speaking to him from out of the television set
1: (laughs) so yeah he's being asked by all these people you know that they can take beth out now is it in his head the barney rubble thing suggests that it's in his head but of course Mm -hmm. we do see beth drive off with mr kerber yes so how much of it's in his head and i mean isn't she really with roy At this point? Well, maybe. I think it's supposed to suggest maybe that his paranoia, his fear is that she's, you know, completely lost to him and everybody else, everybody wants some. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Taylor Negron. I was going to talk about him real quick here. Um, Mm -hmm. There's been a couple of notable deaths in the cast. Obviously, David Ogden Steers died a few years ago, and he was just awesome because he was in MASH. He was in. Dead Zone. Man, I love that guy. I think he was great. Taylor at Negron was the mailman, and he was a guy that they said was the perfect cameo. He would pop into films for one little scene, and that's it. That's all he'd do, and everybody loved him, but his stint as the mailman. I mean, what an awesome char- character for how much time is he in the film?
2: It's so little time, but he's so very memorable. He he takes every second of that and milks it. He just does a fantastic job. This is a character you don't ever forget, even if you don't remember the name. Yeah.
1: Well, he, he starts off by dropping mail as he's heading <laughs> towards the house. You know, this yeah. is your mailman. Your mail is sacred, sacrosanct, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And he's just dropping pieces as he's going, and he's reading
2: Badger's Reading as he mail. goes. <laughs> yep.
1: Because Badger, we haven't even talked about Badger yet.
2: Lane's little brother.
1: His little brother, another out-of-touch Meyer family member. And this kid never speaks a line in the entire film.
2: Right. Not a word. Doesn't have to. Nope.
1: (laughs) Um, He's the genius, the genius young brother Mm -hmm. um, who builds his own laser guns and is trying to build a space shuttle using... The coupons on the back of the cereal boxes you mail them in and you get parts to build a space build your own space shuttle yep which is going to fly because his brother <laughs> can build stuff and uh yeah this kid i'm telling you um he his book was how to pick up trashy women <laughs> how they got from building space shuttles and lasers to picking up trashy women i don't know <laughs> but it's a great gag
2: Oh, yeah, it definitely is.
1: And, and uh, Lane comes to his brother's defense. hmm Yeah, because the mailman comes up and...
2: Your book on how to pick up trashy women came today. Tell me something. What's a little boy like you doing with big boys smut like this? And then, you know, Badger's response, still totally nonverbal. He simply reaches forward, grabs the book, and ducks back into the house, closes the door
1: obviously something exchange happened between him and lane because lane comes out next yeah. to sort of get rid of the mailman <clears throat> and yeah. then the mailman wants to date Beth. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, it just, it's, it's one absurd moment after another, but uh, going back to the classroom, I was saying that it led up to one of the best lines um, in my opinion from the film. And I say one of, I probably could say that every time I talk about a line, but <laughs> Indeed. This line is, it makes me laugh still every time I hear it. And that's when, um, Charles DeMar comes into console lane. Mm-hmm. I've been going to this high school for seven and a half years.
2: I'm no <laughs> Yes.
1: Okay. <laughs> Everything we need to know about Charles right there. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: I love that one.
1: Super supportive friend,
2: not the smartest guy in the world. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, even if he were, he could be smart. We just wouldn't know. Uh, he seems motivated towards only one thing. Mm-hmm. And that's his uh, never-ending quest to find some kind of drugs.
1: Right. Uh, it starts with him. What is it? Uh, he has whipped cream.
2: And he's he's <laughs> getting all this whipped cream. In the cafeteria, yes. Uh,
1: or in the store. In the store.
2: Oh, yes. that. Sorry.
1: And now back to suicide again. Yeah. So he's got the whipped cream in the store and um, when Lane talks about uh, his neighbor, Ricky Smith, crocheting all day and snorting <laughs> nasal spray, do you know where I can score some? Yeah. And of course you've got the mountain scene, which is another great line. He's wearing a top hat. That's another thing.
2: Honestly, I love that. Yeah. Love... He's a
1: dork. He's wearing a top hat. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's snorting lines of snow off the top hat and uh, this is pure snow. Do you realize what the street value of this mountain is? <laughs> I can't move my right arm. You know, it's like I froze the left half of my brain. It's just, yeah. it's so freaking funny. And so like, what is going on here with this guy? You know?
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and at the same time, he, he is the totally loyal friend. He he's, is. He's the one person in the film that, that Lane feels he can really talk with. Yep. Uh, and, and uh, talk with and be heard. He's there the whole time.
1: You know, they did change something after focus group didn't like it. I'm almost remiss to say this, but at one point, Savage Steve Holland was going to uh-huh. have Charles ask if uh, he could date Beth.
2: Oh, no.
1: But the focus groups did not like it when it, when they had played it because he's yeah. supposed to be the one friend, and that, that was something that everybody had said. He's supposed to be the one friend he could count on. Right. So he and he to his own admission, he says, yeah, I think they were right. You know, it's just much better this way.
2: I'm so glad they spoke up, and I'm so glad he agreed, because, yeah, that yeah. would have made me very sad. But even in his
1: helping lane, it's like the father. You, you know, nothing really goes right. Nothing
2: quite works.
1: He He's right behind him all the way. He pats him on the back. He falls into a dump, <laughs> into a dump truck. Yep. Um, Go that way, really fast. If something gets in your way, turn what a coach i mean it's no (laughs) what he's saying is true yeah but there's no skiing coaching going on there
0: because (laughs) you know
1: he they're on the k12 which in itself is a joke because the highest mountain in the world is a k2 you know he he jumps horrendously high off of these cliffs which you're (laughs) not supposed to do if you're skiing from that height you're supposed to make a nice soft jump down and you Mm -hmm. know. But it's hysterical because, again, he's not really helping him. He's supporting (laughs) him. He's not really helping him. Yeah. Uh, And then, of course, he skis right over his ski after he tells him to get up and race Stalin. And when he does that, he busts the ski. Yep.
2: Leading Leading to the coolest skiing
1: race ever at the end. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Yeah. One other moment that I guess quotable when Monique is outside throwing lemons at the sign and she's talking about ricky smith uh is an unleashed sex fiend and um (laughs) every chance he he uses to put his testicles all over her (laughs) and uh yeah (laughs) her her english isn't that great what was that uh
2: how you say octopus testicles (laughs) tentacles
1: nt there's a big difference and yep. there is a huge difference, and it, it's one of those things. Whenever people say yes. the word tentacles, <laughs> I always follow up with "nt." There's NT. a big difference, and they have no yep. freaking clue what I'm talking about. You know, well, maybe one person does.
2: Yeah, you you can tell the people who who really remember the film.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's sort of a litmus test, right there.
2: Thinking about it again, that scene is where one of the continuity errors that I saw is they're they're talking about this is she reveals that she speaks English, uh, pointing out the fact that. If you lived in that house, the less you sp- had to speak, the better. And also reveals that she's a Dodgers fan, you know, okay. a- asking, well, of course, what else is there of interest in the United States but the Brooklyn Dodgers? Yeah. And Lane says, I don't know, you might find a friend. And then he he slips into mimicking something that uh, Mrs. Smith did That's earlier, true. yeah, grabbing Monique by the cheeks and saying, you know, and Man. with myth. Yeah, Fred, if this is the very first moment that Monique has revealed that she speaks English, there's no way Lane could have known that Mrs. Smith did that. Right. He wasn't there when she
1: did it. Of course, they... she may do stuff like that, but I just don't. I think you're right. When would he have seen that?
2: Yeah. So I think that was that was a moment that uh, I think something that, that you had mentioned to me once is that it's very clear that these the scenes were definitely not shot in order. Yeah, Uh, because I I think someone might have caught that.
1: Yeah. One of those moments is when they are working on the car. Um, Lane says, oh, no, Stalin, I have to race Stalin. And uh, he (laughs) says his girl left left him. She's asking about why he's trying to kill himself over some girl. And he Mm -hmm. brings up Stalin and that she left him. for. Well, she just sprayed Coke all over the guy in the cafeteria in the previous (laughs) scene. So it's she knows already who Stalin is so yeah that's that's definitely one of those moments where you feel like yeah this movie was shot out of sequence and it wasn't completely edited together correctly to account for that
2: very minor and they definitely do not take away from enjoyment of the film Uh, and also I have Mm -hmm. to think you know I've never been I've never been the director I've never been the editor Mm -hmm. I'm sure that they did catch a whole slew of things that that we haven't seen because they they caught him, didn't make it into the film. So certainly not trying to pick on anybody. It's just little things that are kind of fun to notice.
1: There's a couple of things here, continuity errors. One of them is... During the final ski race, the sun alternates back and forth between midday, late day, and completely overcast in the span of less than 10
0: minutes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it does do that.
1: Lane trips on the skates and accidentally pulls Chris's cheerleader outfit down around her ankles, exposing her (laughs) underwear-clad body to the cafeteria. Hmm. In the next shot that shows the outfit, it is away from her body, closer to Lane, not near her feet. If Lane had actually pulled the outfit from underneath her skate-clad feet, she would have tripped. (laughs)
2: Yes, indeed
1: Uh, Lane's can of Diet Coke appears and disappears During the slime meal I had never noticed that
2: (laughs) All the times I've watched it, I never caught on to that Oh my goodness
1: The color and the design of the steering wheel Of the station wagon Lane is driving Changes immediately after the crash (laughs) Uh, Do we have a stand-in car?
2: (laughs) I believe we do
1: Um, When Lane and Monique escape the mountain At the end of the movie They are clearly without skis and poles On Mm. the LA highway afterward White skis are clearly visible on the rack (laughs) Yep Uh, When Lane breaks his ski It's broken upwards But when he takes it to the shop It reverses direction to point
0: downwards
1: (laughs) Lane is sitting in class Pulls out a folded piece of paper out of his pocket This is the one with the gum in it, right?
0: Oh yeah. He's
1: clearly wrinkled and has a wad of gum in the middle Later, he holds up the piece of paper, smooth and no sign of gum. (laughs) Oh, and this is the Uh, one I pointed out. Here it is. uh During the scene when Monique and Lane are in his garage working on his car, the lettering on the tires... No, this is not it. Sorry. The lettering on the tires changes position in each shot such that the tire manufacturer name uh, on the tires is always visible. (laughs) The tires appear to have been turned between each shot to make sure the manufacturer's name for product placement appears correctly. Uh (laughs) Aha. Oh, there's another good one in here about as Lane and Monique in the newly fixed Camaro drive up to the car with the Ree brothers and their dates. The wide shot shows the foursome noticing and looking over at the Camaro. However, Mm -hmm. in the next shot, they are still chatting amongst themselves and haven't seen the Camaro yet. This one I've noticed.
2: Yeah, I had noticed that one, too. And we haven't even talked about the the brothers yet. We haven't. They, they sort of take Surreal to a new level. You've got them driving around in this itty-bitty car with a set of public address loudspeakers on top that are almost as big as the roof of the car itself. <laughs> and what's uh, going on there? It seems like this is all they do. They, they roll around looking for chances to race. And, and, of course, the one brother... These are two brothers who appear to be Korean, I think. I
1: think so, yeah.
2: <clears throat> and... The one who is riding in the passenger seat is continually speaking out through the loudspeakers, just as if he were Howard Cosell.
1: Yeah. that.
2: <laughs> Which may not mean much to people. Wow. To most people listening today, in fact. Uh, yeah. You know, and think
1: the, about it. Kids today would probably have no idea
2: they're, they're, who they're, that is. They'd have to run to Google and find out. Uh, but the the most famous sports announcer of easily two decades, possibly three decades uh, back at that time, uh, the Wide World of Sports, which n- no longer exists, kind of like ESPN today, was set up to cover every sport that they possibly could. Yeah. And Howard Cosell, the voice of the Wide World of Sports, chasing around Lane Meyer in order to get <laughs> into street races, completely smoking him every time with with a 20-year-old Toyota Corolla being weighed down by this colossal speaker system.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, he he would win because Lane was not paying attention to his surroundings. Lane ah, runs is. into the back of the Pig Burger's <laughs> car, right? And then he acts he's true. in reverse cuz he backed up to the light and he <laughs> yes. backs into the Pig Burger's the Pig guy Burger. again.
2: You yep. know. Um, Pig Burger's guy has pretty bad luck on the roads.
1: <laughs> speaking of the Ree brothers, but mm-hmm. the one who spoke Howard Cosell was Yuji Okumoto. I hope I'm saying that correctly. But um, he was the antagonist in The Karate Kid Part 2. That was the big role he got after Better Off Dead.
2: That was where most people first noticed him.
1: Yeah, I guess he was in Inception as well. Um, I don't recall that film all that well. Um, I don't either. I, I recently watched Cobra Kai, and he made an appearance in that, which was uh, pretty cool.
2: neat. Yeah, yeah, so
1: he does come back. Uh, He learned to speak Howard Cosell for the part, and he actually spent a long time, uh, according to him, watching all these old Wild World of Sports to learn how to talk like Howard Cosell. Cosell.
2: Okay, cool. And that's
1: what got him the part, only by the time they edited it for the film, they brought in Rich Little. Oh, gosh. Yeah. How heart-crushing is that? Like, I did all this work, and you're going to bring in somebody else to do it? I mean, Rich Little was a great, very well-known comedian. And I'm sure they're like, "Oh, look, we got Rich Little. We gotta use him." Right. You know.
2: And he certainly did a fine job, but but I agree. Yeah, that would have been disappointing as as the actor. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, still happy that he had had a credited part, and continued to get work after that.
1: Let's see here. We've gone through most of this film at this point, at least the stuff we wanted to talk about. Um, <laughs> Yeah, There's so I mean, really, if you we wanted to There's get into like so a more psychoanalysis of this, we could go on for for a long time. <laughs> but we'd also, yep. you know, we want our viewers to enjoy this, our viewers, our listeners. I guess they're not yeah. viewers. Well, Although they're... at some point we'll post stuff up on YouTube where yep. there might be pictures and fun little things. Uh, let's get to the end of this film. You, yes, you have the one ski race with Roy <laughs> Stalin and Lane Meyer. And
2: Lane Meyer. And
1: Johnny. And Johnny, the paperboy. The Terminator. Outfitted his bike with skis (laughs) so he can get $2.
2: He's clever, he's industrious, and he is so brutally determined.
1: How did he do? He must. Did he cobble (laughs) stuff from things he had, or did he actually go out and spend hundreds of dollars on stuff just so he could get $2? (laughs)
2: Right? That's an excellent question.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Lane gets a five second head start on Roy in the race and they they used sinks, they use synchros, so they're timing it. Which means that when he wins the race by a fraction of a hair, he actually lost it. <laughs> but here's my addendum because I've read this many times online, people mm-hmm. say, Oh yeah, he, he actually lost that race. He was skiing on one ski. So there is a handicap.
0: <laughs> so
1: he okay. did win the race. Ah. All I right. can test that if anybody wants to fight me on it. You don't know where to find me. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so he wins that race. And mm-hmm. first thing that happens is he leans over and kisses Beth.
2: Uh, well, Dude,
1: what are you thinking?
2: Yeah, seriously. Although I think it's important to note that um, he's only able to do that because what is Beth's re- reaction? Oh, yeah. She instantly forgets all about Roy mm-hmm. and flounces back over to Lane.
1: You really are the best.
2: <laughs> yeah. But
1: here's this moment where he's kissing her, and because he's the, finally the brothers, gotten
2: what he thinks he wants.
1: Yeah, the the brothers come up. It's the brothers that make him realize it. You know yes. what inspired this transition, this transformation that yes. we see here today? Language lessons. Yep. And if I were to retitle this episode of our podcast, I might say language lessons. Language
2: lessons. lessons.
1: Because that is the theme that kind of pops back up, and it's what. Really is the driving factor for his transformation, and how Monique saved him.
2: Yeah, in fact, I think it would make it an excellent subtitle for the. For the I think
1: episode. we're gonna go with that.
2: Sweet, ha ha. all right. I have contributed. <laughs> yes, you have.
1: <laughs> all right, so um, yeah, they they pan out at the end. They're down in L.A. at Dodger Stadium. Which, Dodger Stadium. How the hell did they get that car on the? the diamond i have no idea
2: we will just gloss right on over that
1: (laughs) we're just going to say monique has some special powers of persuasion yes possibly because she's french (laughs) actually the real diane franklin is is actually german
2: ah Um, okay then
1: by heritage uh she's played many parts but i've seen interviews with her and um she is a really good at the accent i think that's what got her the part to begin with Um, okay and she's actually a german girl there you go very
2: very nice the camera pulls away
1: camera pulls away
2: camera pulls away as as they're having their their happy moment realizing that they've found each other sitting on the hood of the the car in dodger stadium with his camera pulls away and what do we see
1: (laughs) two (laughs) dollars johnny yes. is you don't still hear two dollars you just see him
2: you just see him and he's, he's right and somehow he has gotten into dodger stadium with himself and his bike and he's he's riding up there he's going to get that two dollars
1: oh actually that's perfect that you brought this up because as they're panning out we mm-hmm. hear the song with one look by yes. rupert Hine. and i forgot to mention this earlier it is very important because rupert Hine contributed so much to this soundtrack um, mm-hmm. Here's another person I just found out recently that he had passed away last year. Oh, and sad. It's very sad because uh, it, you know I really he's somebody that I've really liked mostly because of this soundtrack. and I hadn't made the connection oddly. Normally, I make this connection right away with things. My mind mm-hmm. tends to remember names mm-hmm. and, and places and things like that really well. Uh-huh. But Rupert Hind also produced a lot of music that I liked growing up, including Howard Jones. That was one of his big ones. And, ah. I, man, I could show you a list of things that he produced, and you'd be like, oh, my God, he was involved with that? Oh, now it all makes sense. Wow, cool. So the music on the soundtrack, he had a lot to do with. Martin Ansell sang the song Shine, which is the one when they're skiing on the slopes. Yes. Uh, which is a brilliant song, but that was also produced by Hein. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, like to get to know you well features in the soundtrack, mm-hmm. which was also produced by Hein. Uh, I think the exception might be EG daily. And I, for some reason, I have a feeling like he had something to do with production of her songs as well. So okay. he is the glue that held the soundtrack together and we sadly lost him. Um, I had written about having him on the podcast, not realizing this. And his wife wrote me and said, uh, that he had passed away and that, uh, he's, the music from Better Off Dead is still sought after and it's a it's a big favorite and she was very appreciative of us writing so um
2: uh, well, nice
1: yeah i i think maybe on our page once we get the website up cuz it's actually under construction right now um we should have a little tribute to
2: uh, River Hudson yeah i think that's an excellent idea we should do
1: that and hopefully we'll have a whole bunch more content on there um, We'll, we'll see as we go i think episodically we'll try to throw some things in and yeah yeah so you have the pan out the last thing of course is the credits and the space shuttle blows through the garage roof
2: oh heavens that's right
1: <laughs> and mom and dad come out and there you the, go their the life hasn't changed sun. at all <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: the ongoing saga of the garage
1: well that's what we've got for today um Yes, we'll move on to our next segment and now for the pop celebrity interview welcome to our very first pop podcast interview segment joining us today is the charming and amazing diane franklin hello diane
3: hi how are you bonjour
1: bonjour (laughs) um yeah mercy that mercy buck i don't know
3: Missy um, Buckets. Missy Buckets. French fries, <laughs> <it>. French bread, <laughs> Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, speaking of which, we speaking we uh, wanted to make you feel as welcome as we possibly could, so we prepared a little feast for you. Uh, but first, we have French bread. French bread.
3: Um, <laughs> très bon, très bon. <laughs> and we
1: have um,
2: French dressing. French dressing.
3: <laughs>
2: Why does <this> feel familiar? <laughs> and to drink... <laughs>
0: Peru, Peru. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, interestingly enough, it was my girlfriend's idea. She said, Can you ask her if she still drinks Peru? <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs> 80s,
3: was it an 80s drink. I think, remember Perrier when he first came out, it was this big thing, and
2: it was uh, such the thing. Oh, my
1: goodness, it? It, was, well, it
3: was so popular now. I don't know,
2: according to this, it
1: was an 1860s thing.
3: I was very... Who knew. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. So um, merci, yeah.
3: Merci for the fantastic food.
1: Well, uh see. I don't know if we can send it your way. How do I? How do I get this to <laughs> <Yeah>. you? <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs>
3: Wonderful.
1: <know, laughs> I have never
2: learned how to say "you're welcome" in French. I've been.
1: I've been
3: uh,
1: merci beaucoup. Merci.
3: merci. merci. <laughs> oh, no, I forgot <laughs> now.
2: De All right.
1: right. <laughs> oh wait! Now that I've given you well, the food, yeah, yeah quick. Yeah. My
3: goodness!
1: And... How can I forget that? <laughs> so Ben, want to? start to start
2: us off with a question here for her and we'll kind of go forward well let's see actually one of the first things that I wondered um, and, and I remember wondering it back in 19 muumbledymumbledy however long ago it was <laughs> right. I'm not old shut up <laughs> um, was is it an extra challenge to work a scene where you have to pretend you don't sp- pretend that you're pretending that you don't speak the language.
3: Ooh, nice.
2: Did that add a layer of complexity or was it was it just a matter of, okay, I'm listening for where I'm going to visually react?
3: Well, you know, I, I, when I did Better Off Dead, I don't know if I was, it was kind of funny. I think I just naturally went into that. I don't know, it, you know, I don't know if I know what I know, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I knew that like the first half of the film, I had to pretend that I didn't know English So I I had to be quiet. I mean, I I wasn't talking. So first half of the film, you just I have to react. And so, um, you know, kind of that was just being like, I, I don't know what you're talking about, which was very easy for me to do. I have no idea what that people are talking about most of the time. (laughs) Um, I was like, what's happening? Um, No, but uh, so to play that character. um, Yeah, the first half of the film, I was like, I don't know what what's going on, but then the second half of the film, I know exactly what's going on, and I actually say, you know, this head uh, how you say, Ricky, yeah, uh, <laughs> He uh, you know goes after me, and uh, you know it's terrible, and he's got his tentacles all over me.
1: N.T. N.T. big difference. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs>
3: I, I never got into it right. So, um, but it is true that you know I, when I. Did the film the first half? It had to play very innocent, um, and it's cool because you. I think I think you don't know. You think I'm just this girl who doesn't really talk that much. So I think that's what makes it so fun when I finally do say something and I do speak English. Um, I yep. do speak English, very good mm. English. Um, yes, I think that's really fun for the audience to discover that this girl who's quiet is not as innocent or or not that you know unintelligent. She's intelligent. And I, I will say this there are a lot of girls out there who you may think are very shy. But I'll tell you they have opinions and they may just not <laughs> be telling you them. So watch out for those shy girls. And I think that's mm. what's really nice with Better Off Dead is Monique trusts Lane and she she just um it is your friend, your first friend, you know? And I think yeah. that's so cool. Uh, but I also will say she kisses her friend right away, right? She does. This? She's like, oh, you and my friend. Did you kiss same? And I'm like, that's the French way, I guess. Yeah, I thought that was just a French thing there. It's <laughs> uh, a French thing. American girls, I don't know if they would do that. Oh, you're yeah. my friend. And I <laughs> kiss them.
1: Yeah, because that would be a right. signal. That never happened for me.
3: That, that is <laughs> the, not quite the friend you imagined. You know,
1: so. Nowadays, empowerment such a big thing female empowerment and and, and mm-hmm. telling everybody that women are empowered. Whereas better off dead, in my opinion, the hero of the film was Monique. And I want to know how Absolutely. you feel about that and what you think of Monique.
3: I'm going to tell you that when I got that role, that was the first thing that hit me was I'm finally playing a girl who is independent and, uh, and has no problem expressing herself. I also felt like it was one of those roles I was so fortunate because I wasn't playing a tomboy. I was just doing things that guys do.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: And that to me was, there's a big difference because up until that film, all the films I had seen in the 80s, if a girl was like, you know, sort of like wearing pants and a vest and like, if you know, wearing that stuff, I would have thought that she was a tomboy. Right. And, I wouldn't have seen the feminine femininity, I mean, I'm not saying, look, there's some girls who are more masculine than others, and that's awesome, but I didn't see represented a feminine girl who was also doing masculine things, that's what I yeah. didn't see represented, so better off dead, what I really liked about that character was, I was able to stand up for myself, I could uh, verbally, um, you know, I could fix a car, be athletic and yeah. ski, you um, I could uh, help Lane with his problems. Um, I was brave, you know, I told him to get over his fears. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, and then I also could dress up and go to dinner and, and be very feminine as well. And mm-hmm. I mean, I like baseball. So I think that, you know, I think for me, when I look at that character, what I love about it is that I, I was a more, of a very well-rounded uh, girl, gender, gender appropriate. Now, I will say this. I I think it's fun personally to, to be everything. Like, I like it when a guy opens a door for me. And I like to be feminine on a date and like be bought, bought things or thing. I mean, I like to dress up and, you know, go out. And I like, I like being treated like a, a woman right. or a girl. Um, but on the other hand, I would have to say it, that's sort of in like the romance, mo, you know, place. I don't want that to happen in my job,
0: mm.
3: in my work. Like in my right. work, I want to be challenged. And I want somebody to go, okay, who's going to do this? You know, and they're not going, oh, well, she's a girl. So she's like, let's do the guy to do this. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So I think that we're talking about yeah. in romance, you know, you can do anything. Uh, but in the world, let's, we need equal opportunity. And that's what this empowerment thing is about. It's really not about... Um, woman, women losing their sexuality, sensuality, whatever, like just like, or being, women being men and men being women. We're talking mm-hmm. about women just being all of themselves and people cool. accepting that and embracing that. If you like Monique, you like a capable capable girl.
1: It's the exact word I would use.
3: You know, you, yeah. and yep. I think that's cool. I think that's great because, you know, if unlike Karen in The Last American Virgin,
0: Hmm.
3: not capable very passive a guy puts his he decides you know i want i want to keep that object i want to have that object um she's an object to pass from person to person different than monique so i remember at the beginning of the 80s i was that um object of desire the girl the guys wanted
1: and the princess uh, princess, princess, Princess. yeah
3: later too again right the princess is an object Right, but we're yeah. up in that beautiful moment. We're right in the middle of the eighties, nineteen eighty-five. That was a girl character that was, uh, at least for me, incredibly valuable. And still, like, I love the fact that people can pass it on today to the next generation because it's a great mo- role modeling for girls. I oh, think.
1: absolutely! Yeah, I think how many, I don't know how many copies of this film I've bought and given out to friends, <laughs> <clears throat> especially at Christmas because this is my Christmas, Christmas.
3: film.
0: Christmas. <laughs> <Witness. laughs> <Yes, right. laughs>
3: Oh, I mean all the lines right but yeah you tell me what your thought is because I mean you Mm. you know you guys you know loved Monique in the story too so like what was your Mm -hmm. attraction to the character
1: well I've never been one for passive women in ever in my life. Um my girlfriend now is not a passive woman. Um she is very capable. Near. She's she's German Italian and she it's German, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm yeah. German, yeah. <laughs> she, German she she knows American. what she wants. That's she right? knows what she's doing. And um, um yeah. I I mean it's it's challenging at times, but it's challenging in the in all the right ways. And I don't think I've ever well no I have dated people who are passive but it didn't last very long. Um, I need them to challenge me and and to be on the same level. It doesn't it's no you, fun otherwise. It's no you, you there's know, no- you brought
3: up a good point. It's nice when you date someone <laughs> passive at the beginning, it might be very nice. But <laughs> the problem is if that person doesn't say what they think, it, the relationship's one sided. And you know what? That it's almost like they're setting it up. Like yeah. You know, then they get angry because, you know, the person's overbearing, but the truth is that person let them be overbearing. You know, you have to stand up for yourself. Um, mm-hmm. so I think you made a really good point. You know, like the relationships that last longer are, are with, you know, both male and female who need to say how they feel. They can't be, they can't, you know, let themselves get pushed around. You know, it's truth. not good for anyone. But anyway, go ahead. Mm-hmm.
2: How do you feel, Ben? And well, similar thing. I didn't Really realized it consciously then, but the women I've been interested in have uh, never been the shrinking violets. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been the women who had opinions, were not afraid to speak up. Wow! Well, and it, in fact, as I'm thinking about it now, uh, someone's going to see this one day. But I'll worry <laughs> about that later. <laughs> I, I know.
0: It'll be recorded forever. forever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it will. There, there is a. There's a woman I'm interested in now. She is a triathlete when she was in college she played american rules football for her school whoa that is amazing
3: i like her and i don't even know her i like her.
2: what i loved about monique she was this force of courage and again i I didn't have the perspective at that time i was still stupid teenager um (laughs) so but what i realized later is that what what Daniel has touched on a little bit. Monique, whereas most movies, especially through the eighties, the would involve the the man rescuing a woman and thereby winning her right. as a trophy.
0: Mm-hmm. That's this right.
2: movie turned that around. Lane was rescued by Monique. She right. was she was not just the hero. She was Lane's. I don't know if savior is the right feel, but rescuer. She she brought him out of a low dark place, and. Um, that's the kind of person I like having in my life is someone yeah. who is that active and that positive.
3: You, yeah. I, I I haven't heard anyone say it as beautifully as you did. That was, that's exactly right. <laughs> it is, it's like, you know, usually a, a girl, a, a girl has been saved, you know, in tr- traditionally, but very few times do you see the, the girl, I mean, the girl saving the guy. Yeah. And I, I just think maybe this is one of the, I, you know it's, this film is such an interesting film, and you know, I'm writing. I don't know if you both know that I'm actually writing my third book, and it is about Better Off Dead. And, and I'm so excited because this film seems to have lived on for so many people who've watched it. And so I thought, well, you know, they never did any special features for it, I don't even know why. But I uh, so I thought, oh, if I what if I got all the little details and all the things, and then people could just look at the book and go back and time and you know just really enjoy and, and be in that world because it's it's a comedy but it's also talks about like you know look people feel like suicide and it's that's real but yeah. what saves you is love you know love and life loving life saves you you have to find hope and belief in life and, and sometimes another person can bring that you know so it's fascinating like to me that that's r- better off dead like showed Lane you know don't put too much stock in this one person you haven't lived life yet go out there and <laughs> but you know it's in in lieu of this special feature. totally so, looking forward to it thank you i'm looking to put it out this year um it's just taking me a while because of covid and everything i didn't want to put it out in 2020 right. bad energy i want to hmm. i'd rather put it out you know and people are into it but um i agree uh anyway yeah but i i like the fact that you said that you know when is this she saves people so yes she the a
0: hero yeah. Absolutely. And uh, by the
3: way, the other thing, the reason why I really liked playing the role is when I got that part, it, it was the closest part I ever got to who I was as a person. No kidding. And personally, me. like I am that person who goes, you can do it.
0: <laughs>
3: I'm can do it. it that's why I, I, when I, when I read the script, you know, and, and Savage originally had thought of me for Beth and I was like, I can't even relate to that. I'm, I'm so relating to Monique. And it was because the core of who she is was the core of who I am. So it, it goes to show that when you audition for roles, sometimes um, you may look the part, uh, if, but the, the ones who get it are the ones who feel the part. They, they yeah. know that part of the, they know that world.
2: Another thing I've wondered, uh, my, my brother and I grew up watching movies. He and I will be quoting Better Off Dead to each other until the day we die, by the way. The
3: quotes, right? The quotes um, were unbelievable, by the way. yes. Yes.
2: But the question that has occurred to me over the years, and I just never went and pursued an opportunity to ask, is in general, working on a comedy, do people have more fun? Do they joke behind no. the scenes more? Um, is there more of an atmosphere of fun with a comedy? Or yes, is it
3: well, um, about the same? So that is a very good question. I have heard that people. Some comedies take themselves very seriously. (laughs) Oh boy. Some comedies I've heard, you know, it can be very tense on the set. But I really believe that a lot, if it is Uh. tense on the set, it's because there's a lot of egos flying. And I really think that that, that um, in the case of Better Off we had an amazing time. And we, I, I, and I do think that what makes a, a comedy fun on set, it's, it comes, from the director, the director sets the tone for a film, and okay. so if a director allows your actors to improvise, um, if the act, if the director allows like laughter on the set. Um, you know, they have to move the film along, you know, They're, they have to stay on schedule and nothing gets like, oh my God, you know, no one's like laying back and like not getting things done. But if there's, if there's this, uh, a feeling on set that he's in control, but he also allows there's a little looseness, it's perfect because like Savage, um, you know, it was great. Savage was 24 when he did Better Off Dead. He was wonderful because he was a kid still. So he saw the fun of it. So no matter what we did, no matter what scenes we did, he always was in the moment and he was always excited and wanted us actors to just, you know, we took his words and then he's like, okay, go, just do it. And what a great thing for him to be able to see people do his lines. And then also for people to extend it. And we know our characters so well that we had real fun moments. Taking a character and taking it off the page and becoming it uh, fully is to meet like the biggest high. It really is just <laughs> such a, it's such a great feeling to be completely immersed and know that character more so than better than the words on the page. and. Yeah. And the reason why that is possible is when you hire people who've studied or who understand acting um, and then you get a bunch of them together and it's magic. So like Vincent Schiavelli, um, he was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I'm sorry, this is a major, 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 big time actor. And he loved the script. So he agreed to be (laughs) in it.
0: And that's
3: you know? So it was very exciting working and getting together with these professionals and playing i'm being on set so a very long answer to your question yes it's
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes it's hilarious it, it's it's funny and and there were times where we shot and you know i everybody i mean my favorite thing is like you know when, when you're shooting a scene and you see people you know and action and then you see them go
0: <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> because
3: they can't watch because they're going to burst through the. So the funny thing is, in your peripheral vision, you see this like everybody, like, oh my gosh, like, what is happening? Yeah, it goes under the crazy. outtake reel. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? We didn't have outtakes in the 80s. That wasn't happening. So people remember, like, outtakes are a gift. Like, you get outtakes now. That's really cool. But yeah. we didn't have that. And, and, yeah. People would throw old footage away and now we're going, oh. oh, I want to see the alternate ending or we want to right. see them. what was that right. deleted scene. <laughs> so today yep. we can save all those scenes, filmmakers, if you're out there. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. we can kind of thank Dick Clark for that, right? The guy used to work for. Um, really? Yeah, he did the the bloopers and practical jokes television show and they started to show out takes from films. Oh, yeah. Uh, isn't you that kind of so where that started? Right.
3: And that it, was huge. It People was. People loved it. Oh, thank you for te- reminding me that you're absolutely
1: right. <laughs> well, I worked for the guy for a little while. So I kind of remember that it, they, they let us know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to ask you because this is something with uh, a lot of actors don't generally like to watch their films or, or see the stuff that they've been in. And I'm just curious, you know, do you watch these films you watch better off dead and uh, possession Emmyville, Terror Vision, and yeah. uh, Bill and Ted. Do you watch any of these films still? Or,
3: uh, Well, I I would have to say I don't have a problem watching my work, although, like, okay, so there was some work I was, I would go like, oh, I didn't do that well in it, or oh, I, you know, but mm. I still watch it because I learned from it, you know, and I'll be like, what, why didn't it work? Maybe, you know, I, I kind of like look at my work and say, what would I have changed about it? And I think that's just because I was very young. And so like, you know, I relied a lot on my instinct and um, I was so busy and I was working and I was moving forward so much at that time that I had no time or to reflect or to look at my work. So I think a lot of actors will just keep moving forward because if they get too critical of their work that they did then they can't act.
1: That makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, it does.
3: But for me, like when I, I'd say like now it's really interesting to see to see films because um, now I can watch it as as an audience um, or a viewer, you know. So I mean, I remember watching Last American Virgin at a screening, Mm -hmm. and I remember seeing it and thinking, "Oh my God, I'm horrible." Oh. I hate myself. You
0: know?
3: Oh no. No, but I'm saying like, you know, as a character, I was like, yeah. I had no and I but then I was like, oh, I get it because I when I did it, I would not I i played it so you would not see it coming. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's like a bomb at the end, like, whoa. Um and with Better Off Dead, um I watch it and I and it uh, pleasantly like makes me laugh. Like I go, "Oh my gosh, that was so funny. That's still so unexpected." Um right. those lines are so amazing. Um and it's still very sweet. Yeah. Well, so it makes me happy to uh, you know, watch, you know, that. And um yeah, just uh, I think it just it, it depends on the material. I think now it's interesting um because because I'm now still acting uh mm-hmm. and doing films and things that uh I never imagined to be able to do that again. I, I in my wildest dreams, I, I remember somebody in my, when I was in my thirties said, cause I'd stopped acting to have my kids. Mm-hmm. Somebody said to me, uh, a parent at a school said, don't you, do you miss, don't you miss acting? And I was like, no, you know, I, I feel like I did everything. I, I, I don't, I feel like I had a great career and I, I don't think so. Um, so I never anticipated acting again, but then when my daughter started making films and she started with filmmaking, wanted to be a filmmaker at the beginning um, mm-hmm. and do comedy. And she asked me to be in her films. I was like, oh, okay, all right, I'll help you. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I got it together again. And then bit by bit, it was like, oh, well, people, they're still hiring. And, you know, we talk about women empowerment and, you know, um, it. You know, there are roles now for older women. There were not. Oh yeah. Um, this has yeah. changed. Uh, it's, there are roles because One, uh, women now have more of the money. And so they want to make projects for themselves. So you're going to see that. Um, I'm actually doing a lot more um, horror, because to me, that's where the drama is. That's where Hmm. the, um, so I mean, I, I love doing comedy. But in horror, I get to do real drama. It's not casual. It's not like, you know, like a TV show is a little bit more like it's more a procedural and like, you know, you exposition and, you know, this happens and you move on and your character and you stay with that character, but only the guest, the guest starts come in and they give it that, you know, meat, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's been really interesting. And I, I look at my life right now and I go, I wonder, like, I've been doing some, you know, a lot of films. I'm thinking, I wonder if anyone will hire me for a series or a show who will be that person like will it be sci-fi will it be horror will it be a comedy like i don't know it'll be interesting and but believe me if it ever if it does happen Mm -hmm. know that i'll be in shock (laughs) (laughs) all right i'm just glad to be acting again i I have to say that's just a gift
1: well i'm excited about your upcoming uh american boogeyman I, i i love true crime and i love uh, I listened to podcasts on things like this, uh, American hauntings and whatnot. And um, when you, when I saw that you were doing this film, I got a little excited. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about American Boogeyman?
3: Yes. All right. Um, and so, by the way, and I also have put into Savage Steve Holland's brain, let's bring better off dead back. Let's have Monique get, i you know I would, <laughs> because I would love said, that. Amanda said she would do it too, and Curtis would so um anyway i put Yay. that in his brain he was like let me think about that so anyway <laughs> yeah you never know what's gonna happen um but um so here's what what's what happened um during covid uh you know during the worst part of covid last summer um my daughter auditioned for a movie and it was it, it said it was a bundy movie and I remember seeing the audition uh she was like oh look I, I went for a Bundy movie I had an audition and I looked for it and I went oh my gosh I want to go for a Bundy movie I'm like <laughs> I do this, audition. this is so cool so she wound up um so it turned out I looked at the list and all of a sudden is a Daniel Ferens who I did Amityville uh murders with which recently
0: cool which was wow. a
3: sort of a From, for those who don't know, I did a movie called Amityville, The Possession when I was 20 Mm -hmm. and I played the daughter in the story. Uh, It's about a haunted house um, and a family that there's a lot of um, domestic abuse. And then I wound up playing the daughter in that film and then uh, Daniel Farren's had seen it and he is the writer director of Amityville Murders. And he cast me as the mother now in the same story. So I play the daughter, Mm -hmm. one film, the mother in another. Then, so she auditioned for this movie and she wanted to know, we didn't think she was going to get it or she didn't think she was going to get it. And okay. I thought, I was like, Daniel, I I want to find out what he thought of your reel. <laughs> so I called him up and he's like, well, you know, um, I didn't see her reel. And I went, what? <laughs> like, what? You didn't, wait a minute, wait, she sent her reel. So I guess he never got it. I don't know why, but he asked no. her to send it and she resent it to him. And then he called me uh like a few days later and said well she i i gave her she's got a, the part she went for actually we're giving her a a, a better part and i and because she this is a more appropriate part for her Yay. and we want you to do a cameo and i went
1: <laughs> sweet, <laughs> what a dream How fantastic what yeah. a dream
3: to act in the same film and by the way my daughter has never done a horror film She's acted before, she's done comedies. Um, she's a lot going on right now. She's on TikTok. If you go to Sid and Olivia in a comedy, like they're, they like exploded with TikTok and they're, she's on Snapchat um, with a show called Apocalypse Goals. Mm-hmm. She's writing for Smosh now. Um, so she's really doing a lot of work, but this horror film, just the idea of um, us working together on, on, on drama was amazing maybe some actors you know if they own the project then they can hire their own children and you know what I mean like that they can make that happen but this was not that way and if I wasn't right for the role I wouldn't have been cast in it so um but the stars (laughs) aligned yeah it's lovely It's, it's a moment it's a moment that I wish that I had had with Bill and Ted's which was wouldn't it have been nice for the audience to see me with Keanu again yeah. Um, and you know, Olivia auditioned yeah. the daughter in Bill and Ted's also.
0: Okay. So imagine
3: if Keanu and I had been my daughter, Olivia. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been fantastic. <laughs> <But I'm> like, <laughs>
2: yeah. From a, oh, by from the
3: way, a... I have to bring up also in American um, um, American uh, Boogeyman, okay. uh, Lynn Shea is in this film. Oh. She plays um, Bundy, Mrs. Bundy. And that's incredible, and I'm so excited that she was able to be in the film. Um, that's
1: awesome. Um,
3: and uh, Chad Michael Murray was—he plays the lead, and uh, no, Holland no. Uh, Roden is um, also in the film. They play—they're uh, like, well, Chad Michael plays um, Bundy, and Holland okay. Roden uh, plays a detective. And I, I think I'm saying her name right. I have to start getting these names correctly. And then um, Jake Hayes is going to be a new person you're going to, to keep your eye on. Jake um, plays a detective um, and he's wonderful. He does an amazing job. So
1: what Do you know when this is coming out or when around the time it's going to be released?
3: Hayes told us August 16th, but I don't know if that is in the theaters or if that's just... Um, or if this—that's everywhere, but I think I think it is. I mean, they had made an announcement. So mm-hmm. August sixteenth is supposedly when the film is going to be coming out. But there's just so many cool things about this film. Well, we'll People be, be really surprised. It's we'll be a, happy to plug it. Oh, thank you. I'll tell you know um, if I can get my um, maybe as we get closer, I can get Olivia and Jake uh, to join us for the podcast and <laughs> you know get some their point of view. So that
1: would be amazing. Oh, absolutely.
3: Okay pretty great so very very lucky really very really lucky delighted. actress A lucky uh, mom person to be able to continue my career act and then have my kids my, my absolutely um,
2: yeah that's um, fantastic
3: uh, by the way also i do have another film coming out a comedy and it is called high Holiday.
0: Hi. My guess
3: is that it's gonna come out. It was supposed to, I think, come out 2020, but then everything was so crazy with the election that I think they held on to it. Then it was supposed to come out on 420, but I, I think they're waiting for twenty. You'll see because right. that answers my, my other <laughs> <question. Okay. laughs> high holiday people. I'm yeah. um, gonna say
1: like hi as in you know, up above.
3: Oh hi, holiday <laughs> high. People, uh, high holidays, you know, um, but yep. um so it's, I think it's going to come out around Christmas because it is a Christmas themed movie. Mm-hmm. And um, it's with Tom Arnold, Jennifer Tilly, who is a dear oh, wow. friend okay. of mine. Yeah. Jennifer and I did a TV show called Boone and she's lovely. She's hilarious and she's adorable. And we have lots, so it was so <laughs> great to see her. I was so excited. Um, and then Flora Sleachman is in the film. Oh my. So unfortunately, oh. I thought we, you know, we would all get meet her and, um, because I did a scene but my scene wasn't with her so I never got to meet her which was kind of uh, very sad but
2: well this is kind of a smaller point but it's another one of those little things that I noticed that that made me wonder in the movie uh there's this there's the school dance right <laughs> <laughs> and at one point Ricky picks up Monique and flings her around him and she's so floppy she's like a rag doll and I was wondering was that really the two of you was there some kind of stand-in or did he really pick you up and and just uh fling you you around him
3: <laughs> well Ben you got it you you nailed it um, he I told him to I said pick me up and just go around and I completely <laughs> went limp I just went completely limp so I would look completely like like a doll because you know remember at the beginning of the movie like when he plays with that little doll and I'm thinking, yes. I've been doing the flashback going, you know, women are dolls to him. They're just things wow. you play with. And so I was like, just pick me up and I'll just do this. And I'll like,
1: <laughs> there's a continuity okay, thing I will okay. see every time I watch the film now. Yeah, Thank you.
3: So yep.
0: It's
3: so funny. I was like, I'm going to be this doll. So we choreographed. That's an example of, you know, Savage didn't, you know, he was like, okay, you guys are going to dance. And I'm like, oh, I have a great idea. Just pick me up. Um, so that was great that he did that. He just, like flung me around and it just dropped me.
0: Oh, <laughs> was brilliant.
3: And then like, brilliant. Uh, okay, I'm going to get out of here now.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> was, but thank you for noticing that because it's, it, yeah, these little things like that. It's it, everything's thought out, thought through, uh, you know, even going into the, the um, pig burger when I walk into pig burger it was just originally it was just me walking into pig burger with John and I was like this is so boring you can't do it like that it's too boring put mm-hmm. a blindfold around me and walk me in because that was me- you you yeah, came up uh, with that that's
2: awesome oh that's wonderful like,
3: yeah because it makes it so much more interesting and Monique wants yes. a surprise. You want a surprise, Monique. You don't want her to know anything. You don't know where you want her to know where you what this. This is a pig burger. You don't want to know it. So I, I told her, like, <laughs> That's right there, like we were about to, see it. I'm like somebody give him a blindfold for me. So
1: it's so uh, much more intimate. Yeah.
3: Intimate, yeah, intimate yeah. and makes you know every moment in a film. If the audience is watching, well, my goodness, you know it should be special. You yep. know, make every moment count. And I just, yeah, I love that scene when John brings me in. He, yeah. And then I discover the TV dinners. And I don't know any different because I'm, you know, from another country. Maybe this is gourmet. I don't know. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. 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 A little autobiography there from uh, Savage Steve, apparently. His mom who apparently was not that great a cook. And at one Christmas actually gave him TV dinners. I just Isn't read this beautiful? recently. So That's crazy.
3: just life. The truth, yeah. nothing stranger than truth. I just love that. <laughs> <laughs> poor Savage. really. Oh, man, poor
1: guy. <laughs> oh. We are a podcast about our favorite films and series and such. And I, I have to ask you this, what yours are. And if you were a guest host, just say you're a guest host on our show. Okay. What would you bring to the table? what What would you want to focus an episode on?
3: Oh, if I was to... So if you're saying, if I hosted a show, what would my idea for... Or if
1: you were on our show and wanted to host with us. I'm just saying, you know, randomly, just throwing that out there. <laughs> I <don't->
0: <laughs> <laughs> if I wanted to... Subtil. To- that-
3: <laughs> am I being out of a date? Is
0: this...
1: <laughs> How far can I go with this without getting killed? Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, if you really, if you, if you really wanted to join us as a guest host, we'd absolutely love to have it. And if you were to bring something that was a, a film or a TV series or something that really spoke to you, what would it be?
3: I could go through all the work that I've done in my life. I could be, you know, something I could, every episode would be another thing that I did, which is a long time. I've, I've been acting since I was 10. So there's a lot, but um, I would also maybe do everything my daughter did, the films she's done. I would totally, mm. uh, you know, bring up those because she is the next, she's the next big thing. And it's, I mean, and I just say that she could, she can't say that, I as her mother can say it, but um, <laughs> some of the things she's done, it's, it's like, a, I just sit there going, oh my goodness. If people could see things through my eyes, what mm. I've seen in her career, um, what she's experienced. Um, on another level, if it was, um, you know, I, I, I actually had done a podcast at one point long, long time ago, and then I just brought in my friends, my friends. So it was very fun. Like, I like the idea friends. of friends to, like like, people lying to friends.
0: You
3: know, so I like, you know, I brought in Kimmy Robertson and, you know, being able to see people I haven't seen in a long time. I think that, I mean, that's another idea. Like, I really like the idea of. Uh, meeting people that i I worked with that i was friends with another aspect would be meeting people that i would like to meet that i never met so in answer to your question yeah i think i would probably like to bring uh acting friends people who i've grown up with in the 80s and whether they be guys or girls meeting them online and really just you know having a love fest that's pretty cool that's what I see. In
1: another interview, you actually mentioned that if Cusack called you tomorrow and said, hey, let's do another Better Off Dead, you know, or maybe Better Off Dead 2, I right. bet you'd take it immediately. And I, I'm wondering if you'd elaborate on that, how you imagine that the stories of Lane and Monique would have evolved?
3: If you saw all the adults doing their lives, but the kids now are interacting in the same school because no one left the town. No one yes. left this oh my
0: goodness. Show.
3: And now Ricky has <laughs> Ricky's the mayor, and he has a Kid, who is head president of the student council. You know? Oh my.
1: <laughs> I can see his portrait in the city hall right? with the crocheted oh. frame. Oh. oh gosh.
3: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. you know, just like a giant picture of his mother. Like, <laughs> yes. without, you know. <laughs> you <laughs> know? Um, <laughs> I could see um you know, Monique having, you know, they definitely have like a little kid who's like a ski demon, you know, like that. Um, <laughs> and then of course, a very old paper boy.
0: <laughs> uh, yes.
3: <laughs> Who is still after John. And still you just, chasing You me. just see John going off the, and then him chasing you know, for the, rest of it. But the kids are left, but there's a paper boy that will not leave the dad alone.
1: Yeah, Is, is um, he driving yet? Or is he still on that bike? That's he's the still question. On that
3: bike. Yeah, no, he's still on that bike. <laughs> With his backpack. And yeah, he's got to be on the bike. Um, yeah, that,
2: that bike is like the Lone Ranger's horse. I don't he's know if he's got a
3: new bike. I don't know if that's part of it. I don't know. if Maybe if he got paid, he'd get a new bike. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's so many beautiful things that could be taken from that film. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. Anyway, yeah, so that's my my, my $2. My two- <laughs> Your $2? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> $2. Oh, hey, uh, Ben, done. I, I, yes. I saw something there. You were drinking. I Did I catch something there? <laughs> what, what were you drinking out of? Well,
2: I was... Oh,
0: wait, who? <clears throat> what are you drinking oh, out?
2: Is a, it's, just, it's a favorite mason jar that I started drinking out of because it was a little more interesting than a round glass. This is like over 10 years ago. And... Daniel spotted that I was drinking out of it uh, one or two nights ago. Oh, that's right. And it had (laughs) to become.
1: (laughs) Grandpappy's liqueur.
3: (laughs) I love him. Love him. (laughs) Ricky. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Laura, she made me laugh so hard. Oh, that was that scene. Was so, we were doing really well, okay? We were really keeping a straight face, uh-huh. you know? Um, she doesn't speak English, you know? We sont les You know, Savage wanted me to do a Monique. That was the first scene I think we shot, and I had to talk with a French accent, but with a lisp, because he wanted me. Okay, it was just fascinating. <laughs> I didn't know this, but... They, he wanted to make sure that people would really think I was very cute because he had watched all these movies where I was very scary. So okay. I mean, like I want the audience to know you're a nice person, so let's give you a lisp. So I was talking with a French accent and then he wanted me to talk like a fifth. So it would be like, eight, 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 oh my goodness. With the so I would like, it's like, so. I'm like, so I could barely get the words out. And like, he's like, mm. and so you'll see if you watch that film again, when I say, sont les toilettes? I say, because we thought I was going to be lisping for the rest of the movie.
0: Okay, so oh my. we're
3: all, we're doing great. We're keeping a straight face. No one's laughing. Okay, first, Kim Darby with, with the french fries and the French bread. And the, we're like, Oh my God. Don't. And then the camera's on this side. So we're just going like over my shoulder. So, you know, we didn't yeah. have to be on camera for that one. Right. But when Mrs. Smith, oh my God, Laura Waterbury, when she starts with her. Oh, you know, uh, uh, um, Jenny Maya, were you, you you made, um, you always make a special impression, you know, like that kind of thing. Out of limits. That's it. Out of limits. Limits. Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) We didn't know she was going to do that. We had no idea. Like at that moment, that was the first time we actually saw Mrs. Smith become Mrs. Smith we didn't even I mean, he blew up but but it, we had started laughing right before that like she just brilliant her because when we did the the table read we just heard the voice but we didn't see the whole look oh, um, my. so it was unbelievable
1: oh yeah the look was brilliant the 60s bouffant and the cigarette and the oh god it was great
3: savage refers to it as like liz taylor on acid like, <laughs> <laughs> <I was> like
2: <laughs> well, she <is> perfect definitely <laughs> unforgettable
3: yeah i'm so happy that you love this film I, I really do and i can't believe you were drinking the primer let me see that again. <laughs> did everybody do you see that i mean come on people that, that's Gee, devotion i'm real that's- sorry
1: your co-host blew up daniel yeah. They say he'll be all right as long as he doesn't eat spicy foods for a while. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm feeling Sorry like I'm in that, danger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> mm, let's see. Oh, by the way,
3: yes, there's another thing I would do. All right, here's a great idea, which yes. I would love. It would be great to do movies, uh, to do bring guests on, and everybody takes a role, like you do a scene from the movie. Maybe you do a scene from Better Off Dead, somebody else plays Lane, <laughs> somebody else plays Ricky. And I know we did a reading of Better Off Dead in uh, San Francisco and John Heater uh, played Lane's part. And so I got to do line- lines with him and I'm a big fan of his and he was a huge fan of Better Off Dead or he is. So it was so much hey. fun hearing him do <laughs> the lines. So it's very cool, like you know, especially people watching. It's very fun to have other people um, play the parts. It's just fun.
1: That's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it's that. Lovely. maybe that's something you should take up there and, you know, run with I, it. I got
3: a lot of <clears throat> ideas. I just need the time. I've got so much going on. I just need the
1: time. <laughs> you know, and it's funny because on this little list of questions I, I was going to ask you about, you know, you have taken up the mantle on the page, the social media page, um, for Better Off Dead, for at least the Facebook page that I've seen. And um, are you running that page? Am I incorrect?
3: I am running that oh you're not i do i do make contribute maybe i am i don't know (laughs) i don't don't know but there's other people who do do the stuff and so basically what it is is that i support people so like i go oh i'll join your group or like oh that's cool you know or but you manage it like i don't know what to do um and but i but i do try to share information wherever i can because you know i know that um You know people appreciate it like if you get something they get something and they go oh wait you know the French girl from Better Off Dead sent this like let's look at this like and I have things that they'll never be able to see so like I really I like to pass it but yeah I I recently put a picture of Savage and I at Dodger Stadium it's very far away but it was but it's actually what what we it was the day we shot the last my last scene you know so Mm -hmm. um, beautiful and it was so cool so that's why I like going people follow me on Instagram follow me on you know, Twitter, um, Instagram is really cool because mm-hmm. I, that's all pictures. It's so great. But follow me, you know, on Facebook too, because I will post different things on my Facebook that I post on my Instagram. Totally different things. Right. So it's kind of like you have to. It, it makes it more fun. I think it's more interesting.
1: And it's uh, on. So just so people who are listening know, it's uh, Diane to meet you. Is that the oh,
3: Diane to meet you? Is is my more personal one So you'll oh, see okay. my kids. I'm going to put stuff with my family and my kids there. Okay. I'm sorry. You, you, you're going to have to deal with that. But if you <laughs> my career, go to Actress Diane Franklin. Actress that's Diane me. Franklin. Yeah, that's okay. just me. Is my, that
1: the Facebook one as well?
3: Um, and Facebook is, okay, this is where it gets tricky. Facebook is trickier. Facebook is I have a Facebook account, but it is full. I and mean, I literally have like 600 people on waiting lists to get, get in.
0: Oh my that one's
3: full. But wow. I have a group page that is also me. And it's got the two pictures from my book. I have books. So oh, these, yes. you see these pictures on group page? That is my, Yay. that's me. <clears throat> so I post things there as well so if you get on there that's like uh, so what happened is everybody is like friending me but then i can't let them in because I'm it's full um so i would do that and also diane franklin uh, it's a diane franklin 80 on twitter okay so twitter i do 80. things like new, more like news like if my certainly when my book comes out i will tweet it um mm-hmm. or bundy i will tweet things you know I'll, I'll tweet things but i would say i'm more regular on the instagram because mm-hmm there's more I'll do like retro pictures I mean I love I like surprising my audience I like you know because I really feel that that's you know s- s- going back to nostalgia seeing some pictures you haven't seen um what's happening now do am I doing a convention mm-hmm. I actually have a convention I'm doing in Virginia uh this year supposedly if everything goes well with COVID um let's hope uh, scares that cares that's what it's called Okay. And so have, there's one okay. of them, um, but they're a wonderful organization and I'm gonna do a, a, a convention for them in Virginia in end of July, beginning of August.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And then I'm supposed to go to Florida, in, I think Orlando, um, Fantasma or something like Fantas- fantastic, I'll say, hmm. uh, convention in Orlando in like October. And I'm supposed to do also 80s in the sand In October, which is a week-long '80s party, literally '80s celebrities and bands. Check out Eight in the Sand. I found like a commercial, but they don't tell me to say this, but I've been going every year because it is amazing—a week-long vacation with everybody who loves the '80s. mm -hmm. You know, that's the thing. If you love the '80s, you're going to meet people who love the '80s, and then you're going to see the real (laughs) entertainers, not like cover man like the real like billy idol i think is set up for this year so like but lots of bands oh, um, okay and then i'm wow. supposed to also go to london also in october for something uh that is called the uh, misty moon gallery um yeah so it's good to connect with me on social media because you never know and then i'm also if you are, like photos or if you like my books <clears throat> you can also go to dianefranklin.com and then you can i can send you an autographed photo if you can't
0: wonderful attention.
3: so anyway so the um, books
1: are all available on dianfranklin.com. Are they on Amazon as well?
3: Yes. Actually, I recommend them get you getting them on Amazon because they're cheaper. But okay. if you send them to me, then I, or you, if you mm. buy them on Amazon, then, and you come to a convention, I will sign your book for free. So that's Brilliant. the thing. If you buy uh-huh. the book, bring it to a convention, I will sign it for free. Okay?
1: Yeah. You plan on doing any West Coast conventions in the future here?
3: Not right now, but mm. probably. Mm. You know, wonderful. If it works out. And Let if us you know. Convention, like, people don't know this, but if you want an actor to come to a convention, call the convention people, like, connect with the convention and request okay. that person because they listen to the patrons. Hmm. And if you want someone to be there, you say, Hey, I really, really okay. want this actor to be here. I would definitely go. I'd bring friends, whatever, because they really need to hear it from the patrons. And that goes for anybody, not just me. Hmm. It, okay.
1: good to know. Very good to know. Um, And just so I can clarify for anybody listening, because when you post a podcast, it can be listened to five years down the line. Uh, It's currently (laughs) 2021. So these appearances she's making are happening this year. Right. <laughs> um,
3: yeah, 30, 32, right? <laughs> I'm I'm no longer alive, isn't it? <laughs> oh. <laughs> or any that's, of us, I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to say better off yet, but that's right. <laughs> oh no. Oh. no, no.
1: Oh, so we've got the plugs here for the for the books and for your for your social media. Um you've got the Ted Bundy film coming out, the American Boogeyman. Yes. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to plug while you were while you had the opportunity here?
3: Okay, yes. All right. <laughs> terrible, but I do, I do, I do. All right. Well, that's
1: what it is. This is your chance. I mean, yeah, take I'm it.
3: I'm such a mom. All right. So anyway, this is an extra thing. Um, my son is a musician, okay? Oh, wonderful. But he's shy. Like, I don't know. He, like, I'm doing this anyway because I, he's so, in his music is so beautiful. But his name is Nick De Laurentiis, and he's on Spotify. Oh, wonderful. And he does, um, he is, he, so he has his own music that he does, which is, all I'm going to just say to you is, it's he's poetic. He's beautiful. He's deep. It's gorgeous. It's not '80s, all right. It's mm-hmm. it's it's more contemporary that. But he plays the upright bass, mm-hmm. and so he nice. is a uh, he plays an orchestra, a classic <clears throat> orchestra. So his music, he's got the education to be able to write these incredibly beautiful songs, all right. So he has that. And he also was in a band called Swatches. So that's very 80s. Um, and they <laughs> yes. have like an indie sound too. So you can check him out on both those platforms, those things. Um, but if you do like 80s, I'm also going to plug Jake Hayes. Because Jake Hayes, who's also in the Bundy film, is a musician.
0: Oh, and great. he
3: is on Spotify as well. Now, do not get, confu- do not get confused. <laughs> Remember this.
0: All right. My
3: son has red curly hair. Jake Hayes has red straight hair. All right. <laughs> not the same person. They are not the same person. The curly hair. Uh, straight hair, Jake. Okay, so,
0: <laughs> well, yeah. so I'm nice.
3: clarifying that.
1: You brought up yeah. EG Daily um, and one of our other questions we had kind of on this list was how many of the cast do you still stay in contact with? Um.
3: Uh, yeah. I do, I stink on EG, Savage, um, Curtis Armstrong, Amanda. Um, actually, I ran into Danny, it was kind of funny, like about a couple of years ago, like I just uh, ran into him, he was, he was shooting something and it was really funny because I was like, Danny! And he, he just was, I, I he was like, he put on the little glasses and like we took a picture together, it was kind of funny, you know, um, uh so yeah i mean i don't i don't hang with danny but i do um i what else did i see um oh and i saw kim darby i see i saw her oh and oh, nice. so sometimes yeah you know we wind up go you know meeting each other and seeing each other uh you know when in the olden days too like i used to hang with um amanda wiss and heather Langenkamp. amanda and i want to do a movie together that's the thing that would be cool yeah
1: that would be fun. does lane know that his his uh, squeeze and his ex-squeeze are talking to each other.
3: That's what we have to do. We have to the exes. We have to do the exes <laughs> so, to getting together. I like that. <laughs> that would be brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I'd watch it. I'd never liked him. Menu. What is it? Uh, no, uh, you know, we would have the thing where, you know, he'd be like, oh, you want to go get coffee? And I'm like, yes, but let's get the croissants instead. Right? So, come on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's been so much fun tonight. I'm so stoked that we got the chance to come and sit here and talk to you. One of our I'm favorites. Very,
3: happy. very, very happy. Because I'm, because <laughs> of this is still alive. It's not dead.
1: It is. <laughs> That's right.
3: It makes me happy.
1: <laughs> and you are our most important and favorite interview because not only are you the first, but that makes you the most important. And you are welcome back. Yeah. Anytime you want to come back here, uh, anytime you want to promote something, just let us know. And we'll even, you. you know, we will let you guest host if you'd like.
3: So. Ah, all right. All right. All right. I, will, I, will, uh, be fun. I will I take you up on that. All right.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you again thank you. for joining us. Anyway, yes. you
3: guys, thank you so much for having me on the show. It was great. Super fun. I yeah, absolutely. absolutely.
1: Uh, thank you so we'll much for being definitely here. definitely stay in touch. Thank you again, Diane. All
3: right. You're Bye. welcome. All right. All right. Au
1: revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Merci. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: popped with Daniel and Ben can be found on most of your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. If you like what you heard and would like to support the show, hop on over to Patreon and become a member. There you can get access to extra content, including uncut interviews and popped gear. For all of the questions or content, check out poppedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.